Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise God. Now I don't like to, a lot of times people ask, if, can they help me do anything? And, and uh, I, I, I'm always hesitant um, and that, that's a fault. That's not a, that's not a boast at all. That's a fault. And, um, but I'm going to ask you to help me today. I feel like the Lord has given me something to preach and, um, I just need you to, I know that, uh, we've been here a while. I know what time it is. I know what time we got here. And, um, but I feel like the Lord wants to speak something into the heart of, the, of, uh, our congregation. I, I feel very, very burdened. And I want the Lord to help us today. Amen. So I just need you to help me. Do whatever you need to do. Stretch. Take a deep breath. Then let's, let's get a second win, shall we? Amen. Will you, will you commit to that? Amen. Let's let the Spirit of God touch us today and help us in the, in the name of the Lord. I want us, the Lord to touch us. I want to be what he wants us to be. I want to be what he wants me to be. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so let's just pray again over the word. Lord, I love you today, and I thank you for the privilege to preach. And uh, I ask you today that you would just touch my heart. I need you today, God, to touch my body and my mind, that I would just be moldable clay in your hand. I pray, oh God, that you would speak to every man in this building. I pray, God, that you would speak to every woman in this building, every young person in this building. I pray, oh God, in the Holy Ghost that your spirit would strengthen us now in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Now, I'm gonna just give you some instructions here, if you will, not just for today. This is just kind of any old time. This will work. But don't ever let anybody around you struggle. If someone is struggling to pick up something that's obviously too heavy for them, go pick up the other end, offer a hand. And don't ever let anybody struggle in the pulpit. Amen. When you sense there is whatever going on, any kind of resistance, I'm not asking you to just jump up and run around for the sake of jumping up and running around, but we need to connect and push back the tide and just say, let the Spirit of God touch us today. And so that, that's, that's, I'm asking you for that today for me, but I'm asking you to write that down for any time. Don't ever let anybody struggle. Just like you would never let somebody fall in a hole. You would just warn them. And so I'm asking you to come alongside me today. Amen. And you may be seated and we're going to take a journey here with the help of the Lord. The title of my message today is Walk a Little Plainer, Daddy. Walk a Little Plainer. Daddy, I will try to connect this at a later point in the message, but I want to preach to you today from this thought, walk a little plainer, Daddy. The role of mom is pretty well recognized by everyone, even including our secular world, as a vital influence in the home and certainly a significant role within the family. But I think, and I think by design, that a father's influence is being systematically devalued in our system. I've talked about this many times before. But I see it evident every day, the devaluing of the role of a man. I'm not being defensive because I am a man. But I'm telling you from sitcoms to television commercials, the father, the men, you just watch what I'm saying, always seem to be painted out as just little more than just a bumbling fool. 
And then we'll let somebody else, and even in some instances, the children, step in and fix something for the man that should be leading. However, from the standpoint of God's word, and that's where I'm coming to you from today, fathers have a vital role in bringing strength and stability to the home. I understand, of course, the, the role and the, the value of the combined roles of fathers and mothers to the home, but today's Father's Day. So I'm going to direct my comments to all the fathers. As a matter of fact, I would like to address every man in this house because you are an influencer on some level, whether you are a biological father or not, at this point, you may not be, but you may be at some point and probably will in your future. And so I want to talk to every man in this house. So I'm, I'm just asking you today, if you weren't a father and uh, you didn't get a ticket and you didn't get a hat because you weren't a father and that maybe that wasn't a part, uh, you weren't a part of that part of the service, but you're a part of this part of the service. I want every male in this house to understand it is not a secret, but there is an increasing absence of fathers in our American homes. And as a result of the absence of these fathers, many areas of our world have been negatively impacted. In recent years, we have watched the moral fabric of our nation being, being torn apart at its very seam. Perhaps there are many reasons, but I believe the major cause of this is the breakdown of the home. This includes the failure of fathers to take re responsibility or, or more specifically the failure of fathers to take the spiritual responsibility of leadership in the family. Scripture and history show us that as goes the home, so goes society. And so what's the big deal about the home? The big deal about the home is the home is going to eventually affect our nation. And so we got to protect our home and make sure that the walls of our home are secure. I believe that most concerned parents would want their children to know about God and they would want them to know about moral living. They would want them to know right and wrong. But somehow in the hustle and bustle of life, many parents never take the time to assess or consider exactly where this training is going to come from. I would like my child to be a moral young man or a moral young lady. I would like my child to be a spiritual young man or a spiritual young lady, but we seldom ever really take an assessment and figure out where is this supposed to happen. Maybe we think if we will drop them off at the annex for Sunday school at 9.50 on Sunday morning, that will take care of it. But in truth, we have 168 hours given to us in a week and as a church, we probably only have about one or two of those 168 hours. So the greatest children's ministry or the greatest student ministry doesn't stand a chance fighting against those odds. It is, a, it is insurmountably stacked against us. Therefore, parents must find a place where there is a more consistent flow of God's word and a place of more consistent flow of God's presence. The good news is found in the fact that he has given us just such a place, and that place is called home. If someone once stated the home is the place where life makes up its mind, home. It's in the home where decisions are made. What an incredible point this morning that was made about from, from Sister Amanda about that place in between the outer gate and the inner gate, a place of decision. Somewhere in our life, we have to create a nest where we can say, this is where I'm gonna settle some things in my heart. This is where I'm gonna nail down some things and we're not going to revisit that again. I've often said, you don't need to wait until your home catches on fire to get an exit strategy. You better talk about that today. Let's talk about that before the first whiff of smoke comes our way. I want to turn our attention to the book of Psalm 78, and this is where we're going to camp out for just a little while. In Psalm 78 addresses the importance of the home and the vital role of parents and most especially the role of fathers. It's a psalm of instruction 
And I believe it is a psalm that is absolutely essential for us today. And so I want you to hear me and hear me well. I am not offering you this morning a little box of suggestions. I am not reading to you something willy-nilly. We're just gonna kind of draw a card out of the box and hopefully this will fit your plan or hopefully this will fit my life. Amen, I wanna read today from the infallible, unbuilding, unbending, and unyielding word of God in Psalms 78 and one. The Bible says, give ear, give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Give ear, that simply means listen to my instruction. As a parent, if you ever had to your children, you're telling them something and you know good and well, it's just like it's just kind of rambling around in their brain if it even got that far. And you just kind of have to stop and say, listen to me. I want you to look at me. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that is what the psalmist, this particular psalm is authored by, the, by the, a man by the name of Asaph. And so this is what Asaph is writing. He is saying, give ear. He is speaking it is Asaph speaking, but he is speaking for the Lord. And I humbly say something to you today. It is, your, it is my voice that you're hearing, but I really believe that God is speaking to us in this house. Incline your ear. That means to stretch out. It's the idea of a stretched ear or a spread out ear, like a dog perhaps whenever you call their name or you say something. We've got a, a little puppy and when you say certain things, she doesn't speak English, but she can count. She gets a certain amount of treats for certain things that she does. And if you try to shortchange her, she will take none of them. And uh, she would rather have none than not everything that is hers. She doesn't speak English, but she does know a few words. And believe it or not, there's a portion of me that is ashamed to admit this, but there are certain words that we don't say in our house ahead of time. We spell them. You can receive a love offering for us pitiful old people here a little bit later if you feel that in your heart. But that is the absolute truth. But if she loves cheese, and so if you say anything, even some words with ch in it, her, her, she turns and looks at you and she perks up in her ears. And when you're talking to her, she will... She will twist her head and look. I'm not just trying to be funny here, but that's what Asaph is talking about. He's saying, listen, and I'm gonna tell you today, I feel that what ought to be happening in this building right now, I'm gonna tell you what I feel happening in this building now. I feel some ears pricking up. Amen, I believe the spirit of God is slipping in beside us here this morning. Amen, because I believe that I'm not the only one right now feeling that God really does wanna say something in this house. Amen. He said, open your, incline your ears, stretch, lean in. In verse two, he said, and when you lean in, I will open my mouth in a parable and I will utter dark sayings of old. A parable. A parable is a common life experience. It's just an illustration. It's an everyday. It's a, a parable is the handle on the jug. It's something to help us get a hold of it and pull it into our lives and make it real. In verse number three, he said, he, in verse two, he said, I'm gonna open my mouth in a parable I'm gonna utter dark sayings of old. Verse three, he said, which we have heard. Will you underline that in your mind? Heard and known. Underline those two words if you would. He said, we have heard this and we have known this and our fathers have told us. Hallelujah. Amen. Our fathers have talked about this and they helped us hear it because they were talking about it. I overheard it because they were talking about it. But I didn't just hear about it. It wasn't my daddy's story, but I have known this for myself. I'm gonna tell you, I heard about a God because I had parents that took me to the house of God. I heard about God because I had godly Sunday school teachers that broke the bread of life and they put it on my level and they fed it to me on a weekly basis. But there came a time in my life I wasn't just hearing it, but I began to know about it. I began to feel God.
God and as a child as a child I can remember getting sick and going into my parents bedroom and waking them up in the night and saying I need you to pray for me amen because I didn't just hear that he was a healer but I come to know that he was a healer and as a child I learned where to go in a time of trouble and in a time of peril this is instruction I believe that must be fortified by and exampled by our fathers I believe the most effective way to communicate the truth to have the maximum impact on our children is going to come through the life of our parents and not from the lips of our parents amen it is no it is not that we can just drop them off somewhere and assume everything is going to come out in the wash Charles Spurgeon said Sunday school teachers and pastors were never meant to be substitutes for a mother's tears and a father's prayer hallelujah amen Sunday school teachers and pastors and youth camps and, and, uh, and, and youth congresses and all of those things that cannot substitute a mother's tears and a father's prayers and so don't discount it mama and don't discount it daddy when you lay your hands on your children and pray for them and their mind is a million miles away don't think it didn't take and don't think it didn't matter because they weren't slain in the spirit or begin to immediately speak with other tongues hear me today amen you can't substitute a mama's tears and a daddy's prayers and so I say mama keep on crying and daddy keep on praying hallelujah mama keep on crying and daddy keep on praying praise God because parents like none other have the opportunity opportunity to be models in every aspect of life before their children. Like no one else, you get an opportunity to model not only how to be a Christian, but you model how to be a neighbor. You model how to be a friend. You model how to have compassion. You model how to reach out. You model how to help someone else in a time of need. In in verse number four, here's what Asaph said. He said, we of these instructions, he said, we will not hide them from our children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. And so I tell you today that we're, we have a mission. Men, fathers, we have a tremendous calling upon our lives. You know, I, I'm just gonna speak directly now because I think I'm, I think I'm can. Amen, we sometimes think about uh, the, the, uh, the examples that our ladies uh, live, the life that they live, a life of holiness and sometimes in some to some degree that seems to stand out a little bit more on a daily basis than it may in the life of, of a man or a father. But let me tell you something. Hey Amen, I heard, I heard a, a young pastor's wife several years ago. She said, when I begin to think about the responsibility that my husband has, when I begin to think about the responsibility that he has as a husband and what he has as a father, she said, I begin to realize I got off pretty light. I got off pretty easy. Amen. I want you to understand something. Men, our ladies have not been called to some higher level of living than we have been called. And we're just on a shore of a riverbank somewhere fishing until Jesus comes. Amen. He said we're not going to hide this truth from our children. Amen. We're going we're to example that. We're going to praise the Lord and we're going to talk about his strength. And I'm not going to be just committed to this generation but we've got to be committed to a generation beyond them. Amen. I our responsibility is not to just us four and no more, but we've got to communicate the truth of God's word, not only to mine, but I've got to create an atmosphere where the generation coming behind them will understand the truth. Because if we fail to communicate God's truth to our children, we are guilty of hiding from them the most important information in the world. The goal of God's truth is to be communicated effectively from generation to generation. And so that's why it's so important, hear me, it is so important not to be indifferent toward the things of God. We must at all cost resist the temptation of getting too preoccupied with the pressures and the pleasures of life. We have to guard ourselves, fathers and men, against materialism. Amen, we must guard ourselves against that. 
Amen. As it's already been stated in our first service, we've got to we've got to understand that you're hooking your wagon to that to something, a system that's going to change in just a few days or weeks or a few months. And so let's hook our wagon to something firm called the Word of God. We've got to guard against it. I just wanted to help you out with something. If you don't leave your children one dollar in the bank, Amen. And if you don't leave them one acre of land, if you leave them with a firm spiritual foundation you will have left them more than money could ever hope to buy what good will it do to leave them millions if they don't know how to make heaven their home what good will it do to leave them buildings that bear their name what good will it do to leave them something that would bear the mark of your name for years to come if they don't know where to turn in a time of peril if they don't know how to train their children oh hallelujah Amen. In the ways of God, in the fear of God, I say, Lord, help me to dig out a spiritual inheritance. Help me to dig out a spiritual foundation that I might hand up in Jesus' name. I'll tell you, John, you didn't have to wake John up very much to get him to say, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. That's where my joy comes from. It's not from the square footage of their home. It's not from the job that they work. It's not from the title they bear. Amen. But my children are walking in truth. There's my joy. There's my joy. Deuteronomy 4 and 9 says, teach them thy sons and thy sons sons. Amen. And so daddy, we're not going to be able to whisper this to just one generation. We got to shout it to multiple generations. Not just to your son, but to your son's sons. I would have to ask the Lord to forgive me and I would need for you to forgive me for failing you if I got to this point in my message and did not read to you Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Amen. The Bible says, hear O Israel. Come on, say it with me. Hear O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. Amen. Come on now. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Amen. Stay with me now. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently into thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when you sit in the house and when you walk by the way and when thou liest down and when thou rise and thou shalt find them for a sign upon your hand and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes and you need to ride it on the post of thy house and on thy gates I'm telling you we gotta talk about it talk about it, talk about it talk about it, I need to talk about it when I wake up, I gotta talk about it when I lay down I gotta talk about it when I wake up by the way, I'm reaching for you daddy, I'm reaching for our men today Amen. If you can't take God with you, it won't be worth it. Amen. Forget it. If you can't take your children with you, it won't be worth it. It won't be. just get back to where I was I would let it all go if I could just somehow get back to where I once was and so I'm telling you sir what you're reaching for is a bubble that's going to burst when you get your hands on it but when you take your family to the house of God when you take your family to the altar of God when you take your family to the presence of God you're building your house on a solid foundation Praise God. Men, we have a mandate upon us to do more than teach our sons how to fish and our daughters how to change tires. We got to teach them how to walk with and trust in the unbending word of God. The next verse of Psalm 78 points us to the great need of hearing God's revelation. 
This is not an exercise you need to understand. Psalm 78, it's not an exercise of just religious rites and rituals. This was a very specific word. Verse five, the Bible says of the Lord, he established a testimony in Jacob and he appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers. Now get this, he commanded our fathers. So he's kind of pointing back. He commanded our fathers that they should make known to their children. So he said they commanded this was from our fathers to us. Amen. In other words, we're not just following fables. This is not just the traditions of men. I read a, a little story the other day about someone asking, there's several of these that float around. I'm sure we could find more if you could talk to more families. But a, a, a grandmother used to always put a little mason jar inside her oven when she was baking a cake. And so the mother, her daughter started, just did the same thing. She put a mason jar about halfway full of water in the, in the oven when she was baking her cake. Her daughter asked her one day, so why do you do that? So I just did that because my mother did She said, well, I want to know why. I said, well, you need to ask your grandmother. So she asked her grandmother, she said, why did you put a little bit of water in a little mason jar? And she says, because I didn't have a hook on the rack there and that kept the rack straight. That's why we're doing it. Amen. And so it got passed down from generation to generation. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a little bit of water in a mason jar. Amen. I'm not talking about we're just going through the ritual and we're just doing something and we're just kind of parroting something. Mm. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Whew, hallelujah. Amen. I, I, hallelujah. Sister Anna, I don't believe that Adeline was just trying to parrot her mama last week, but I believe something moved in that tabernacle. I believe something showed up at 5011. Amen. Gainesville Road. I believe the Spirit of God moved in there. And I believe the real genuine power of the Holy Ghost stepped inside of that tabernacle. And children were changed. talking about the word of God. The word was designed to protect them. And the word was designed to protect their children from the deceptive nature of our world. He commanded their fathers to teach truth to their children. And I want to tell you that the ministries of our church can help in this process. But the primary means established by God is the home under the godly influence of a godly father and a godly mother. Gentlemen, to some extent, God holds us responsible for the spiritual condition of our families. I know we can't make decisions for our children when they're grown. I'm not trying to cast any shadow of, 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 of doubt or confusion in your spirit or guilt in your spirit today, but I'm gonna tell you that we cannot afford to ignore our spiritual responsibilities as fathers. We've gotta do more than get up and go to work and put bread on the table and shoes on their feet Amen. We don't need to leave our wives to the responsibility of being prayer warriors in our home. We don't need to leave it to the ladies. Thank God. Amen. I'm glad of the worship that we have in our church and I'm really glad of the men who are engaged in worship in our church because it is not the responsibility of our ladies and mothers to lead us in prayer or to lead us in praise or to lead us before the Lord. It is our responsibility. I understand in some cases there's no father or no, no father present. That responsibility obviously falls on the shoulder of the mother. But whatever the case, parents are the key agents in communicating the word of God to their children. And so if we want our children to know and experience God and to experience God's blessings upon their lives, then we must be dedicated, amen, to teaching our children to know the Lord and to know his word. Sadly, American youth today know more about technology than they do the word of God. And then parents act shocked when their children lack spiritual discernment to withstand certain temptations in life. It's because we've invested in the wrong world. It's because we have often failed effectively to communicate the eternal truths of the word of God. Verse number six, the Bible says... There's only 135 verses here, so don't worry. 
Verse number six says that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. You keeping up with all these characters on the stage here? He said, our fathers talked about this. And they told it to us. So we need to talk about it to our children so that they can hand it to their children. (laughs) We got a lot of load on our shoulders here today. Amen. The passage says we got to train our children so that they can pass it to their children who are not even born. Somebody will say, well, how absurd can you be to be thinking you're gonna commit something to somebody that's unborn? Well, I'm gonna tell you today, and I'm, I'm not trying to boast or, or embarrass anybody, but, I, but when our son was just a child, I heard my, my wife in the den praying over his wife. Amen, she's not alone in this. There's many ladies in our church that's prayed that prayer. Amen, but I, he was just a child. He said, well, we, we hadn't even got into elementary school. What do you, I mean, we, we're trying to get, we're trying to figure out what shoes he's gonna wear two days from now. Amen, what are you doing over here? Praying? What are you praying? Because I'm gonna lay up some treasures. Amen, I'm gonna put something up. I'm gonna, I gotta get something in him because it's gotta get to the next generation. It's gotta last. Amen, I'm gonna tell you, amen, it is so important. Amen, because, amen, this truth, this truth, the word of God, amen, that it may rise, amen, these children may rise and tell it to their children, amen, our grandchildren, amen, God holds us responsible men from multiple generations. We sometimes think if I can just get them through high school, if I could just get them 18, if I could just get them to 21, if I could just get them through college, but can I tell you nothing is gonna be further from the truth, amen, you, they may one day have their own credit card and you may not have to be paying their gas bill. You may not have to make their mortgage payment, but I'm gonna tell you, I read it just yesterday again. Amen, Job was so concerned about his sons and his daughters until he said every day, every day I gave a sacrifice unto the Lord just in case they forgot. I prayed just in case they forgot to pray. Oh my, my, my. I've heard Brother Anthony Mangan say for years that his father's birthday gift to him every year. Are you ready for this? Buckle up. Amen. His father's birthday gift to him every year of his life until his father died was that he stayed at the church and prayed for him 24 hours. Amen. That was his birthday gift. You say, my goodness, what are you talking about? You lost your mind. No, no, no. We've got a man who said, I'm on a mission. i got to make sure it stays in his heart because he's got to get in the heart of the next generation because they got another generation ahead of them because the promise is unto you and to your children. Hallelujah. As many as the Lord our God shall call even to those that are afar off. So we got to keep it. Seven, verse seven. Here's why. That they may set their hope in God. And not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. What's all the hustle about? What's all the, what's all the shouting about? What's all the screaming about? Why, why are you hollering, brother boy? And I'm telling you why. Because we've got to set some hope. We've got to set their hope in God. Now, we live in a, in a very humanistic world that has bought don't ever, don't please don't doubt what I'm telling you here. Even if you are in the, the smallest little nestled in what you think protected community environment. But we live in a very humanistic world that has bought into the fallacy of evolution, hook, line, and sinker. And they're teaching that to our children. You can stay in denialville if you want. And this error has led our society to deny the truthfulness, the fundamental nature of God's word. And so, is it any wonder then that we live in an age that is dependent upon everything but God? Verse eight brings this to a final conclusion and gives us kind of a bow tie on everything we've read up to here. 
and might not be, in verse 8, as their fathers. We've got to try to prevent this generation from being like generations ago. A stubborn and rebellious generation. A generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast. So we got to prevent this happening again. So that's why we got to cast this seed so far ahead of us because we cannot afford to let them go back. We got to bring our children to the point where they know God and they have confidence in God and they obey God from their heart because they understand the nature of God, not just what they've heard. The word of God is our survival guide. The Bible says in the book of Judges that there arose a generation that knew not God. Now that's frightening enough within itself, but it also says there arose a generation that knew not God nor the things that he had done for Israel. So that means that they did not only know God for themselves, but they'd never even been told about God. They didn't know God and they had never heard the things that God had done for Israel. That's why you read scriptures like when they came out of the, of the Jordan River and he said, bring 12 stones with you. And you tell this when your children say, what meaneth these stones? That's your chance. You stop whatever you're doing. There's nothing more important than the moment you're living in right there. You stop whatever you're doing and you walk over and you rub those old stones and you say, honey, I'm gonna tell you, I know you can't even imagine it, but it was right here. Right, I was here when it happened and that wind began to blow and the water came back and we walked across there, amen, and, and, and you share that and you share that and you share that. And I, I'm gonna tell you, before you think that, that this judge's passage of scripture is just something kind of caught up in the Old Testament and that applies to them and then and there, let me remind you today that everybody in this building, including you and the man holding this microphone, know people that were raised in the truth of God's word and they strayed away from that truth. And today, some of them have children that have never seen the inside of a church. So don't think this is just something, an antiquated message for some poor old people in a book called Judges. This can happen so much more quickly than you can think. I've been conscious of something in the last few years. I find myself repeating stories from my life over and over. And I've become so self-conscious about it in the last several years, especially the last several months, that I've been telling myself, you need to stop doing that because you're gonna sound old. Because that's what old people do, you know. They tell stories and you go see them a month later and they tell that same story just like, just like you've never even been there. And I'm not talking about because they've got health issues or something like that. I mean, they just tell them stories again and you know, there's kind of one point in your life where you're going, Phew. but then the longer it goes, you find yourself showing up hoping they'll tell that story again. And then when they're gone, you think, if I could hear them say it one more time. <laughs> so something came over me the other day. And I just said, I'm gonna keep telling my story. And I'm gonna tell them again. And I'm gonna tell them again. I catch myself with some of the ministers in the church. We may be together and and I'll stop, brother Everett, I know this happened with us. I said, have I told you this? Have I told you this? I'm gonna try to stop doing that. And I'm just gonna tell it again. Because I wasn't sure if you was in the room or if I was talking to somebody else, but I'm just gonna quit worrying about that. Because I'm just gonna tell it again. Amen, I'm just telling you, I'm just gonna tell it again. If I feel like telling the pulpit, I'm gonna tell it again. And if I said it last Wednesday night, I'm gonna tell it again. You know why? Because we gotta get it, we gotta get it, we gotta get it. If the fathers are not true godly men, chances are neither will their children be. Godly children who know and trust and obey the Lord don't happen by accident. No, no it don't. Can you hang in there with me just a little longer, just a little longer? I'm going somewhere. 
Godly children are the product of parents who set their hearts and they know how to walk with God and talk with God. So here it is, gentlemen. I know you got an odd phone call yesterday. On the other end of that phone, you heard Sister Amy Osborne say, Brother Boyd has asked those who will to bring some shoes with you to church tomorrow. So here they are. Here's the shoes. So we need to look at those shoes. Because someday somebody's going to walk in those shoes. They're going to follow the prince that these shoes are made. So we got to take seriously our responsibility. Someone that you love and someone that you know, they're, they're, they're watching you. And they're going to walk like you walk. They're going to talk like you talk. They're going to do business like you do business. So you can, you can say, well now, son, you do as I say and not as I do, but you, you better save that breath, sir. You're going to need that. Because they're going to do what you do. They're going to do what you do. His name is uh, Jimmy Maxwell. Got a picture. He too had children. They were following him. Jimmy Maxwell's Oklahoma Department of Corrections number is 127434. And sadly, this is where Jimmy has spent the majority of his adult life. The man you're looking at for many years was a ranking member of the highest level of Oklahoma's gang known as the Aryan Brotherhood. Jimmy's tumultuous life has been plagued by one serious offense after another. His daring exploits both in and out of prison led to more than one documentary on the life of his crimes. Just a few. Jimmy has survived five different prison riots, escaped incarceration on multiple occasions, not only from prison but from jails and also reform schools as a young man. Additionally, he evaded capture from the U.S. Marshals and the State Violent Crimes Fugitive Task Force for months on end and was featured in a documentary that you may be familiar with. I almost got away with it. Jimmy, Jimmy narrowly avoided apprehension, death, apprehension and death time and time again. In an interview with MSNBC, now in his 50s, he is awakened to find himself at a completely different place in life. Regretfully, looking back on his life. He says, and I quote, No matter what nice things may be said about him, a man's claim to fame should not be all about the wrong he's done or the harm he's caused or what a good convict he's been. From the deepest part of his heart, he would like to go back and change his wrongs to right, turning right instead of left on many paths that he's traveled. Those right decisions would have left, left him 
to be a free, hardworking, and an honest, and a loving, devoted father and husband and a son and a brother. He wishes not only, he not only raised his kids to be true to themselves, but he also now wishes that he had raised them to be true to the Lord and true to the community they lived in. And he understands now that would have left them happy, free, and productive as well. His sense of failure as a father has left his own children with legal problems of their own. With just a few years left of a very lengthy sentence, weary with years and years of incarceration, Jimmy devised a plan to escape one more time, except this time it included his daughter helping him in a getaway car. Of course, in time, Stephanie Maxwell was arrested for aiding in this crime. And now Stephanie is in prison. While Jimmy was in county jail after being arrested for this escape, and awaiting now a resentencing. MSNBC was there in that particular jail doing a documentary. And while they were there, they learned that his son had been arrested. And Jimmy found out that his son had been arrested and was in the same jail at the same time. With the help of the producers of MSNBC, the jail officials allowed them to interview them together before each of them were resentenced. This was not the family reunion that they had dreamed about. A father who had already come to his senses sat handcuffed and shackled trying to help his son who also sat cuffed and shackled understand and know how to survive the prison life that was about to be his. And within just a few days of this picture being taken, his son Brandon was sentenced to 45 years for murder. He too will spend his adult life in the same system that he watched his father grow up in. Through tear-stained eyes, Jimmy Maxwell looked at the person doing the interview and this was his quote. He said, it's hard to explain a wasted life when you knew you had potential for more. I'm gonna ask you to stand if you will. Our musicians can just stay where you are. A part of this interview from his prison cell, Jimmy Maxwell read the following poem that had been handed to him by someone ministering in a jail and prison ministry along the way. The title of this poem is where I arrived at my title for my message today. The title of the poem is Walk a Little Plainer, Daddy. And so if you will, please listen. Walk a little plainer, Daddy, said a little boy so frail. I'm following in your footsteps and I don't want to fail. Sometimes your steps are very plain Sometimes they're hard to see. So walk a little plainer, Daddy, for you are leading me. I know that once you walked this way many years ago, what you did along the way, I'd really like to know. For sometimes when I am tempted, and I don't know what to do. So walk a little plainer, Daddy, for I must follow you. Someday when I'm grown up and, and you are like I want to be, 
then I will have a little boy who will want to follow me. And I would want to lead him right and help him to be true. So walk a little plainer, Daddy, for we must follow you. I ask you gentlemen to bring some shoes. They're here on the platform. And if you brought a pair of shoes today, I'm going to ask you to come right now. I want you to go get your shoes. Just hold them, if you will. Walk a little plainer, Daddy. This is not just for the men who brought shoes. I'm talking to every man in this house. When you take these shoes back home with you, I want you to be eminently aware that somebody's following you. Somebody's following you. When I when I when I strap these boots on tomorrow, I don't want to forget that I don't just have a son who's following me. But we've got a lot of people that are following us. And so when you start to put on these same shoes, I'm asking you to remember that somebody you love is watching you. They're watching you. So please, Daddy, whatever you do, please walk a little plainer. I don't want to have to find my way through the fog. And here's one of my stories that I tell. I'm so thankful for a clear path to the cross when I decided I wanted to make heaven my home. And I want to daily, if I can, I sometimes miss, but... I try to do it often to say, Lord, thank you for not just the preachers and the leaders, but thank you for the saints that kept the doors of the church open. Because of that, they left clear, indelible prints in the sand. They walked plain, and so I could follow them. I want to say to every daddy in this house, I know that your children will follow you to the ball field and They'll follow you to the job site. They'll follow you to the hunting woods and they'll follow you to the golf course. But can I tell you that they will also follow you to the prayer room? Just ask them. They'll follow you in worship. I dare you to ask them. They'll follow you in praise. They'll follow you in dedication. You know why I believe it's right to be in church every time the doors are open? Because I never was shown any other way. Any other way. Walk a little plainer, Daddy. I'm going to ask, I know this may take just a couple of minutes, but I'm going to ask every family to come together as much as possible. Let's come down to the front. Everybody, please move, if you will. Brother Bobby, I'm going to ask you and your family to sit over closer to your dad. If you don't have family here today, you look around, somebody's by themselves, adopt them real quick. (coughs) 
Earlier this week, I, I asked if we could forego our regularly scheduled children's church today because I wanted your children to be in this service. I wanted us to be able to join together in a closing prayer. Yesterday afternoon, I was just finalizing everything in my heart, my mind, I was in my office, and I just felt like the Lord laid on my heart to ask Elder Brother Gibson to pray over us. Now, I didn't ask him to pray over us because he's the perfect example of a perfect father because if that's what we were looking for, this would be a moment of silence. I believe the Lord is going to speak to us. An additional word, I believe he's going to speak to us. Amen. I'm going to ask you, Brother Gibson, if you will, to whatever you feel in your heart, you can remain seated if you're more comfortable with that. And I'm just going to ask you to pray for our families and say whatever God's given you to say if you feel so. Almighty God, as we come before you, Lord, just look here today. Of all these fine men and these fine families. I've considered what I might pray and ask of you, Father, today of these men. Many are here in first and second generations and third generations and fourth generations. So, Lord, I've decided that I would like to ask you, God, above everything to continue. Give them the strength to continue in this way. Oh, God, there's so many needs that are pressing today, so many things that need to be understood And God, you protect us and keep us and lead us and guide us and direct us, God, through the church, but you give the family, the father, the authority, God, to continue. My mind goes back, Lord, as I pray unto you, my mind goes back to a man who came from the land of Oz. Oh, God. And this man loved his children so that every morning he would arise and pray and he would give thanks unto them because he wasn't sure what all their children were doing at the time, but he wanted to continue God in the walk with you, Lord Jesus. And he wanted his children to know about your laws. He wanted them to follow in them. So, Lord, he would arise every morning and give you and and give praise and worship to every child unto him. And the Bible says, Lord, your word said, God, that it was to, he done this, and it continued. And as we go through the history of this man, O oh Lord God, and we've seen the troubles and the things that were brought about of him, but God, at the end, The Bible said he saw his sons, his daughters, and that he had sons and their sons and their sons. He saw them. He continued through all that was troubled him, everything that he had to face and everything he ever had to face, Lord God, You were with him. You didn't leave him. You didn't forsake him. You didn't walk off from it for him, oh Lord God, but you were always there, Lord God. And so this man, after living 145 years, seen the end of his family's sons and their sons and their sons. Lord, we've got, I just pray for all these men that are here today that they will rise up, oh Lord God, even greater, O oh Lord, because as our pastor has talked to us today, Lord, that there is a time, O oh Lord, that's trying to steal and rob from the family the most important element, O oh God, in the family itself, and that is the Father. So I ask you, Lord, to put something in their heart 
to rise up wisdom and knowledge in them and let them think upon these words, O Lord. Think upon the the strength that will come just from him, O Lord God. God, we just ask your many blessings upon all this family's Lord. Tremendous family, Lord. Good, Good people, Lord. And I just ask your blessings to be upon them forever and ever and ever. And I ask it in that most holy name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Can we just lift our hands together? Let's ask God to seal something in our heart, Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.